Back in uh, 2008, a guy by the name of Rick Grover came to be the lead pastor at a church I was serving at in Owensboro, Kentucky. Anybody know of Owensboro, Kentucky? Yeah, some of you do. I know uh, Cheryl has some family that lives down in that area. And every time she goes there, they go to Moonlight. And God bless her, she always brings, if you know Moonlight Barbecue, they've got great barbecue, but their sides are even better than their barbecue. And so she always brings me a big old thing of their macaroni and cheese. Oh, it is like heaven in a bowl. It is so, so good. Well, uh, Rick started as the, the lead minister at Owensboro Christian Church, and his first week on staff, he, he knocked on my door and he said, hey, let's go grab lunch. And uh, so we found out that we both had an affinity for Mexican food, so I took him to my favorite Mexican restaurant. And as we were sitting there, um, you know, enjoying our chips and salsa, Rick asked me a question that I will, I will never forget. He, he said, Sean, um, where do you see yourself going in ministry? And then he asked a follow-up question of, what can I do to help you get there? And, and I've been asked that question before, like the, the first part of that question. Uh, I've even talked it over with some friends, like kind of what I saw the ministry path would look like if God allowed. But I'd never had somebody, especially someone who was like my boss, saying, how can I help you get to where you one day desire to, to be? And over the next few years, um, Rick would give me opportunities that, quite honestly, I had no business being a part of. Like, I really uh, had no business doing some of the things that Rick allowed me to do. Uh, but he would coach me up. He would send me out. And then afterwards, he'd say, hey, you really nailed it here. Or, boy, you really blew it here. Here's how we can, you know, maybe do that a little bit differently next time. And he just spent time pouring into me and investing in, in my life in a way that really made a difference. And uh, there was one time I remember that uh, with all of these new responsibilities that I was trying to juggle, my time management skills uh, were lacking, to say the least. And some of those balls that I was trying to keep up in the air were starting to fall onto the ground. Anybody ever been in a place like that where you're like, yeah, I can't, I can't do this anymore? And that's where I was. And with my personality style, as balls start to drop around me and I feel like I'm trying to juggle too much, then I become really short. And, and Rick saw that in me. Um, he saw some conflict between me and another one of our staff members that hadn't really been there. And he's like, hey, this doesn't seem like you, Sean. Let's, let's go grab coffee tomorrow. And so the, the next day we were sitting at a, at a coffee shop and Rick taught me about time management. He taught me how to create block scheduling where you kind of say, okay, during these hours, tell me that it was okay to say no to some things. It's okay to say no, because when you say no to some things, you say yes to some things that are maybe more important. That was a conversation that I look back on now, and it was a turning point, not just in my ministry, but in my, in my life. And fast forward uh, to just a, a couple of months ago. Rick and I got together for lunch again, this time at a Mexican restaurant on the south side of Indy. And we were talking about our families, about our, our ministries, my transition to Sherwood Oaks, some things that were going on in, in his church. And at the end of our lunch, Rick invites me to be a part of a group of pastors that he's forming uh, that just meet regularly. And the only goal of this group is spiritual refreshment and renewal. Like that's it. It's not about leadership development. It's just about how are you and Jesus doing? How are you and your family are you keeping healthy rhythms in life? Are you stretching yourself too thin? Um, 
You know, is there any unhealthy patterns developing in you? And it's, that's the only focus of this group is for us to pour into one another. And Rick is the leader to, to pour himself into us. And, and so we've been doing these conference calls via a video for the last few months. And tomorrow we're all flying out together to Colorado for uh, a week-long retreat where we're just going to be intensely doing some of these things. And, and I can honestly say that Rick has been such a mentor to me, uh, someone that I really look up to and, and appreciate for how he has poured himself into my life. I, I believe that I am a better man, a better husband, a better father, and a better minister and leader today because of Rick Grover. And I'm curious, who is that person in your life? Who's that person in your life? That as I was talking about Rick and his influence in me, your mind went to that person. You're like, yeah, that sounds a lot like what this person did for me. Who's that person that uh, they came alongside of you when you started your first job and you had no idea what you were doing and they saw that and instead of, instead of losing their patience with you, they're like, hey, come here, let me, let me show you some things that I've learned along the way, some, some tips and some tricks who was who that person that when you uh, were at your wit's end and you didn't feel like you could, could take even just one more step, they came alongside and they said, hey, let me, let me just help you along. You know, we can do this together. They put your arm around my shoulder and, and let's go. Who was that person that had maybe a difficult conversation with you that was uncomfortable for them and uncomfortable for you that you look back on now and go, man, that person loved me in that moment in a way that I've never been loved because instead of talking about me, they chose to talk to me. And that's a different kind of love that most people don't give in our society today. That's true friends, loving, someone who really cares about you. Who's the person that after you got married or you had kids or you went through a health crisis, they came alongside and said, we want to carry this burden with you. Maybe when you were new to your faith, they taught you how to study your Bible or how to pray. Who's that person that took time out of their busy schedule to share their wisdom and experiences with you, who laughed with you and who cried with you? If you've ever had a person like that in your life, um, you know how beneficial they are. Like You know what they mean. You can think of how they have impacted you. If, you. if you haven't, chances are right now, you're probably even thinking, man, I wish that I had somebody like that. And I think it's because we've been designed to lean on and to lean into one another. It's part of how God has designed us and made us up. You know, life does not come with an instruction manual. We, we, we can't come to this fork in the road and say, okay, which way am I going to go? And, and pull something out and says, well, let's go this way. Life does not come with that. Instead, what it does come with is friends and mentors who come alongside of us and say, well, I don't know which way you're supposed to go, but I can tell you what I've learned along the way. I can tell you what happened when I went down this road, and you may not want to go that path. Maybe go this way instead. And I think that is a part of God's grace in our life, that he surrounds us with people who love and care for us enough to say, I'm going to pour myself into you. I'm going to come alongside of you in life. You do not have to go at this alone. Together, we are better and stronger than what we could ever be alone. 
And that really touches on the foundation of um, who we want to be at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. I, I don't feel like we're quite there yet, but it's, it's who we want and who we desire and who we are praying to be, where we understand that we truly are better together, that each one of us, no matter, no matter what dividing lines we want to put in place, whether it be race or gender or socioeconomics or background or experiences, it does not matter. Each one of us are better when we do life together and we give and we learn from one another. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at our mission statement and our values, which are so incredibly relational. That's what, one of the things that I, I love about these statements. They're all about relationships and, and the value of those. And, and so these are the things that really kind of make us up as a church. And in case you've missed the last couple of weeks or maybe you have um, slept since then, let's take a look at these. Our mission as a church is people helping people. Again, very highly relational. People helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. We, we feel like God is taking us somewhere, that, that in faith, if you are not growing and going somewhere, then your faith has become stagnant because God is always pushing and growing us to, to learn how to trust one another and trust Him more. So that's our mission, people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. Last week, we looked at value number one of how we live like God owns everything. Uh, we live and we hold our, the things that God has entrusted us with, and we say, okay, God, you have entrusted us with these things. How do you want us to use them for your glory? We said that this value is not about what you give, because it's not we give like God owns everything. It's about how you live with what God has entrusted you. Do you hold on to it with closed fists, or do you hold on to it with open hands? And so we want to live, as a church and as individuals, we want to live like God owns everything, with open hands, so that he can use those things for his glory. Value number two, we mentor across generations. We're going to talk about that today. Number three, we think like everyday missionaries. Value number four, we tell life-changing faith stories. You know, like that story that we saw uh, before communion today of the partnership with Boys and Girls Club. Um, those stories inspire us and encourage us and kind of paint a picture of what faith in action begins to look like. And then value number five, we create fun and refreshing experiences. Not necessarily that, that, that that's our goal in everything that we do, that we want you to say, leave there going, man, that was a lot of fun. But that you leave there feeling refreshed. You leave there feeling kind of filled in your, in your faith. Fun and refreshing experiences. So today we're going to be looking at that second value and what it means to be a church that mentors across generations. Um, and I, I want to kind of look at it in the way that we've, we've done it over the last couple of weeks. I want to first just kind of talk about what this value means. There are, there are two key words that, uh, that I want to break down in this value. And the first word is mentor. Mentor. Uh, what we're talking about here is discipleship. Paul puts it like this in a verse that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. He's writing to uh, a young man named Timothy, who was kind of his protege in the ministry. Uh, Paul had sent him out to a church in Ephesus to serve, and then he writes some letters back to him. One of them is 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Look at what he says in verse 2. He says, "...in the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses," so the things that you have picked up from me... And trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. The things that I have taught you, now you teach others. And the way that Paul taught Timothy wasn't just saying, okay, Timothy, come and sit down and I'm just going to dump all of this knowledge that I have on you. 
Timothy came alongside of him. He was his co-worker in ministry. They served shoulder to shoulder. And during that time, Timothy picked up those things from Paul. Now Paul is saying, you turn around and go and do likewise. This is about intentionally pouring ourselves into the life of another and helping them grow in their faith and their walk with Jesus. And and the question that you might be asking is, why did we use the word mentor instead of discipleship? If we're talking about discipleship, why did we use the word mentor? And I think it comes down to clarification. Hang with me here, okay? Is everybody with me? I don't know what you did over the last couple of days. The last couple of days were beautiful. Like they were gifts from God. And we spent a lot of time outside. And like all of that natural melatonin and all of that vitamin D, um, we have slept great the last couple of nights. But it's also been really hard waking up in the morning. So I need to make sure. You guys with me? Because this is important stuff. Important stuff. Words have meaning. And over time, meaning begins to change to these words. We use the same word, but, but maybe we assume that it means something that it doesn't. Or maybe over time, the meaning to that word has just changed. For, for example, um, the word nice used to describe something that was silly, foolish, or simple. Like someone would say, oh, that's nice. And it wasn't the compliment that it was today. Like you wouldn't want to be referred to as someone who was nice because that was basically an insult instead of a compliment. It meant that you were silly or foolish or simple. Words change. On the the flip side, you would want to be known as an awful person. Like today, if somebody said, oh man, that person is awful. We wouldn't really take that as a compliment. But, But years ago, that word awful meant something that was worthy of awe. And so in the English language, just definitions to words change. And I think that's what's happened even to the word discipleship. Discipleship has come to mean something totally different than what Jesus modeled for us. When you use or when we use the word discipleship, uh, most people, especially if they've been in church for a while, most people immediately start to think about sitting in a classroom or in a group passively absorbing information from a teacher. It's about gaining a greater head knowledge of the Bible, but that's not what discipleship is. The kind of discipleship that Jesus modeled for us was active. It was about experiential knowledge. His disciples didn't learn by sitting in a classroom taking notes. They learned by walking alongside of Jesus and doing what Jesus did They learn by watching him interact with people. They learn from his example of loving others and and the stories that he would tell as they walked along the road. It's, It's no wonder that so many of the stories that we hear Jesus telling, so many of those parables just have to do with things that if you were walking up and down a path, you would see them along the road. Seeds, trees. It's things that as they are walking along the road, Jesus would point to that and tell a story about it, and they would learn as they did life together. Biblical discipleship is about coming alongside of others and actively pouring into them, not, not, not passively sitting back and taking information in from somebody. And so we believe that that word mentor really captures the definition in our world today. And that's really all that this mission and these values are about. It's about how do we contextualize what the Bible says into our world into our church and context today. And so we mentor others. And we do it across generations, which is the second word. And what we mean by that is that Sherwood Oaks, our goal is not to become a church 
of millennials. And some of you are going, oh, praise God. But let me tell you, our goal is also not to become a church of boomers. Our goal is not to be a church made up only of builders or any other single generation. Our desire is to be a multi-generational church because we believe that we are better and stronger together and that all of us have something to give and to gain from one another. Do I need to say that again? I think I do. Our desire is to be a multi-generational church because we believe that we are better and stronger together and that all of us have something not just to give, but to gain from one another. Church, can we have that kind of humility towards one another? That yes, I have something that I can teach you from my experiences, but I have something that I can learn from you because of yours. And so that's why as a church, one of our core values is to mentor across generations. Now, how do we do that? Let's talk about what we do here at the church, and then we'll get to how you can do this in your life. First, to me, this value gives tremendous weight to what we do in our children's ministry up and down this wing on Sunday mornings. It gives tremendous weight to what Alex does, where's, there's Alex, what Alex does with our students on Wednesday night and, and other events that he is formulating. We use a ministry philosophy at Sherwood Oaks called Orange. And, and what that means is orange is the color you get. And I try to imagine this. Go back, to your, go back to elementary school art classes, you know, using primary colors and blending them together. Orange is the color you get when you combine the love of the family, represented in red, with the light of the church, represented in yellow. You combine those two colors and you get Orange. It's a ministry philosophy that says it's not just the church's job to invest in your children spiritually. It's not just the church's job to invest in your grandchildren spiritually. But at the same time, it's also not just the parents' job or the grandparents' job to invest in their children spiritually. We are best at this when we combine our efforts, when we combine the, the red and the love of the family with the yellow and the light of the church. As the Israelites were about to embark uh, into the promised land, Moses gives them this command. It's known as the, the Shema. It's, it's one of the most quoted verses in, in all of Scripture. And this is what he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And what he means by that is, is not necessarily like literally do these things, even though many Israelites began to do that. What he's talking about is allow these things to influence and affect not just your homes, but also your communities. That everything that you are becoming in your community is saturated by this one thought that the Lord our God is one. 
And this command wasn't just for families and it wasn't just for the community, it was for both. And we believe that when we combine our efforts, both the church and the family, we are. And so that's why we offer a children's ministry on Sunday morning. It's not childcare. And it's great that they have a place to go. But right now, those children, my children, are being poured into and being loved and being cared for. And then when we go home, we get to ask them, what did you learn in church today? And they repeat and recite their memory verse that they learned. And we talk about how we live that out and what that means We have an app that we uh, equip our parents with uh, called the Parent Q that gives you talking points when you're in the car and when you're sitting around the dinner table. It gives you insight into what your children are learning. And we do all of this because we believe that when we combine our forces, we are better together. And so that's one of the ways that we live this value out. We also mentor across generations through our life group ministry. If you're new with us, uh, life groups are Bible studies that happen throughout the week in people's homes and, uh, and at the church, and it's for people of all ages and stages of life. And, and I've got to tell you, I've had folks tell me, I am never going to join one of your life groups. Never going to be a part of that. And they have some of their reasons for that. But one of the reasons that I hear most often is, I'm just too old to join a group like that. <laughs> Let me tell you, we need you in a life group. We need you in a life group. And it may not be because of what you can get from it. But you know what? The longer we're followers of Jesus, the less we should be looking around and thinking, what can others do for me? It should be, what can I do to help others? And so you may not join a life group because you get or need something from it, but because you have something to give to others. And so through life groups, we learn from one another things that we could never learn on our own. We come alongside of each other and share the joys and burdens of life with one another. We have a gentleman in our life group um, who is quite a bit further along in life than, uh, than what I am and, and another guy in our group. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were just kind of hanging out, and, and we guys were outside, girls were, were inside. We were just kind of talking. And he just started sharing some lessons that he's learned in his life of nearly five decades of being married, having kids that are grown up and out of the house, and now having grandkids and soon great-grandkids. And, and I look back on that night and, and, and I think, what a blessing that he chose to come and be a part of that group. I don't know that he gets anything from that group. But what he gave to me and to Brad that night was invaluable. And I think that in doing that, maybe he did get a little something too, because some of those difficulties that he had gone through he felt a little redeemed. And so if you're thinking, oh, I'm too old to be in a group like that, I'm telling you, we need you to be a part of a group like that because you have life experience that you can pour into others. And that's part of mentoring across generations. So life groups are an important part of what we do. We want to help you get plugged in. So after this service, 
um, after this service, in the back classroom at the end of the hallway, uh, Jeff and Mallory Lampson are going to be back there, and they want to help you get plugged into a life group. If you're new with us, if maybe you've been kind of feeling us out or, or maybe thinking about life groups and, and you're ready to take that step, uh, we want to get you plugged into one of those before you leave today. So go out into the back classroom before you go, and uh, we'll get you connected with one of our, our life groups. That's a couple of ways that we live this out as a church. And I want to kind of talk about how you can take steps towards mentoring someone else. And you may push back and say, Sean, there's no way I can mentor someone else. And maybe you feel like you don't have the time to do it. Um, but let me ask you, think about that person again who poured themselves into you. Did they have the time? <laughs> or did they make the time? Chances are they probably made the time. Maybe you feel a little intimidated by it or you feel unqualified, but let me ask you some questions. Have you ever been hurt by someone and you've had to overcome that hurt? Have you ever failed at something and learned a valuable lesson from that failure? If you answered yes to either one of those questions, I'm telling you, you are perfectly prepared to be a mentor to someone else. The truth is, it's often through our failures and our pain that God prepares us to help others. Don't miss that. It's oftentimes through our failures and our pains that God equips us to help others. A few weeks ago, I had a young minister who just got started in church up in Alytic, and he asked if I'd get together with him for a coffee. He said he had some questions about ministry that he wanted to ask me. And, and this young man, he is amazing. He is 22 years old. He's got a brilliant mind. He loves Jesus and his family well. And I was like, man, I am 16 years older than you, but I feel like I should be sitting down and learning from you. Like he's just one of those guys that is very, very impressive. And, and I've got to be honest, leading up to our time together, I was feeling a little intimidated. I was like, what in the world do I have to offer this guy? And you know what we ended up talking about for an hour and a half? We talked about my fears and my failures in life and in ministry. <laughs> Those things that I wish that I could do over. And what amazed me is that after our time together, he asked if when I got back from Colorado, we could, we could meet and do that again. And I was like, okay, are you asking me that just because like, you, you're leaving this going, man, I, I may be young, but at least I'm not that guy. Like, did I just make you feel better about yourself in that moment or what was going on? But, but I'll tell you, in that time, that was incredibly redemptive for me, to, for God to use some of these difficult things that I had been through in life and ministry and, and just share those stories with this young minister who is just getting started. And the truth is, being a mentor to someone doesn't mean that you've got all the answers and it doesn't mean that you've got it figured out. It doesn't mean that life has always been smooth and you've always made the right choices. It means that you've been through some things in life and you're willing to let God use those for the good in someone else's. Some of you have fought cancer and survived. I guarantee you God wants to use that in someone else's life. Some of you have overcome an addiction that ate you up and spit you out. It nearly destroyed you and your family. I'm telling you, you are a perfect candidate. You may think, oh, I'm just, I've been disqualified because of what I've been through or what I've been addicted to or what I've done or what's been done to me. I'm telling you, you are a perfect candidate to be a mentor to someone, to help them overcome things that have held them hostage to. 
Some of you are raising your grandkids because of the choices that your kids have made. There are other couples right here in our church going through that very same thing, and they're struggling just like you are. And you could mentor one another and give them strength to make it through. If you've been through anything in life and you're thinking, you know, I'd like to help someone go through what I've been through. Or if you are going through something right now and you wish that you had someone to come alongside of you, at the end of the service, we invite you to go back to that back room as well because we want to get you guys connected. If you think, yeah, I've got something I can offer somebody else because I have an experience that maybe someone else can glean from. Or you're going through a hard time right now and you're looking for someone to say, just put their arm around you and say, I'll walk through this with you. Just head to that back classroom after service today and we'll get you all connected. I think that the the church that we desire to see through this value is best summed up in Paul's words to the church in Thessalonica, and I'll I'll close with this. It's 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Paul writes to this church, and he says, we loved you so much. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Short Oaks Christian Church, we mentor across generations because we believe that we are better together and that all of us have something to give and to gain to one another. We desire that for you and we desire that from you. And so let's share together not only the, the hope and the message of the gospel, but our very lives as well. Would you stand with me as I close this off in prayer? God, for the person who came here this morning hurting, broken, looking for hope in their life, looking for something, I pray that you will meet them where they are and that you will show them the fullness of your love, that you'll use the people in this room to wrap their arms around that person and to say you're not alone. We want to be here with you. We're for you. We believe in you, God. May somebody hear that message right now. We believe in you, and more importantly, God, you believe in them. You're giving them strength, and you're giving them courage. Give them hope. And Lord, I pray that as a church, we will be your hands and your feet and be used for for your purposes in that, in the lives of others that we will look at what we have been through and the hardships and the joys and the pains and and we will look for ways that we can help others who have gone through those same things. It's part of how you have orchestrated your kingdom and your church to work. And so I pray that, that we, God, will truly take this value seriously and that we will mentor across generations because we are better together and each of us have something to learn and to teach each other. So Lord, we're not there but may we take the next step in getting there. Lord, I pray that, uh, that this morning, if anybody has a decision that they need to make, if anybody um, is looking to connect and they say, yeah, I, I need a mentor or I need to, to use this experience to mentor someone, or I need to be in a part of a life group. You'll challenge them to put feet to their faith and go back and get connected with that before they leave today. Thank you for how you come alongside of us and how you move your church to show us your love and your grace. In Jesus' name.